you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Come on, are you excited to be in church this morning? Uh, I am. I am not Pastor Kerry. Um, I am not. I, I am. I'm Jeremy. I, I'm one of the pastors here, and and I have the honor of actually getting to share uh, this morning. I, I don't know why they give me the microphone, but they do sometimes, and so um, I do love. I do love to to talk about God, and I do love to talk about. Um, what he's doing in our church. And over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Kerry's done, uh, it's been so challenging. We're talking about faith and we're talking about um, uh, one of the one of the very common things we've, we're doing 21 days of prayer right now. Um, and for those of you who haven't made it or haven't been able to, to get there, listen, there's no, no guilt. Don't feel bad. Uh, it is bright and early in the morning. It starts at 6 a.m. at Union Market at the Kaleidoscope if you want to show up. Amen. Jesus got up early to pray. You should too. That's all I'm saying. Uh, it's a joke. It's okay to laugh. We're going to have fun this morning. Um, but it's been one of the consistent themes of uh, the prayer um, is basically we're, we're believing that God is going to awaken and, and cause people to dream big again. Um, and that's what this series really is all about. And Pastor Kerry has brilliantly challenged us. I'm not just saying that because he's my boss. I'm saying it because it's been brilliant uh, over the last couple of weeks with six words that God dropped in his heart. And those six words were move, uh, were move breathe, speak, restore, heal, and expand. And um, the scripture that we've been, we've been basing a lot of this on is, or most of it on, is Hebrews chapter 11. One. Can, we, can we bring that up? Um, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. If you got like a glow-in-the-dark Bible, you should pull that out in the version, you know, that sort of thing. And we're going to read this. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screens for you guys. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And, and really, um, I, I got to thinking about this as I was praying about what I, wanted, uh, what I wanted to share with you this morning. What I felt God drop in my heart was actually a question for you to challenge you this morning. I'm going to ask a lot of questions this morning. But the biggest question that I want you to think about as I, as I move forward and talk a little bit this morning is what if I told you that the strength of your faith is less about you and more about who you align yourself to? Come on, I'm going to say it one more time. What if the strength of your faith is not based on you but it's actually based on the strength of who you choose to align yourself to. I was, I was, I, I, any athletes, anyone play sports? I was, uh, I was not a good football player. I was a baseball player, but I was not, <laughs> I played football too to kill the time. And when I was in high school, uh, we were doing this thing, uh, we were, it's called off season. And it, for, I was 300 pounds at one point. And so off season meant run. <laughs> and running was not a strong suit for me, being as large as I was. And, um, and so we were doing this drill. I was, a, I was obviously a, an offensive lineman. And um, this is the only spot they'd put me at. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we were doing this drill. 
where uh, they set things down on the ground and we would have to shuffle. I'm not going to do it because um, I don't want to embarrass myself, but we would shuffle in between. And, and so we were, we were doing this and I was winded. I was gasping for air and I was just praying. It's like my faith was really high at that point. I was like, God, please, please let my coach die so that we can stop doing this. I don't want to run anymore. This is dumb. I'm big and I, I shouldn't run. I shouldn't run. But he didn't die, so I had to keep going. And so I'm, I'm shuffling, and kid you not, true story, I step on one of these padded whatever and break, break my right ankle. Break in half. Like, break. And so as I'm falling, the logical thing to do when you're falling is to look for support. There was none there. And as I grabbed the, the young man next to me, he was like, what are you doing? And pushed me to the other side. And as I did that, my other ankle, true story. Now, the left one didn't break. God, you know, mercy follows us as Christians, right? Like, God was like, I'm only going to allow you to break one of your ankles today. I broke my right ankle broke my, or fractured my left ankle. And, and my coach, like I'm laying on the ground, like crying. I'm, I'm writhing in pain, right? And my coach comes up to me and goes, what's wrong with you? And I'm sitting here going, are you freaking kidding me right now? So I get hauled off to the trainers and my ankles are so swollen that they got to like cut the side of my sneakers and, and pull them off. And, and the trainer was like, listen, we're going to have to take a look at, I don't think the left one's broken, but the right one, it might be kind of jacked up. So we, we need to just make sure to try to maybe adjust, right? It's ridiculous. So he grabs, he grabs my foot, and it's the worst pain. Like, it's the worst pain. And I was like, listen, I, I run from pain. I don't like pain, so I want to run from pain. And um, anyone? Yeah? Amen? I don't, I don't like pain. I'm, I'm out. And so he goes, we're going to have to set this back in place if it's broken, and it's going to hurt. And I go, no, pass. I don't want that. And he goes, listen, if we don't set it back in place, it's, you don't understand, it, it won't heal properly. And if it doesn't heal properly, if we don't get it back where it's supposed to be, we don't set it in place, then disabilities can happen and, and it, can, it can heal wrong and you won't be able to walk and move the way that you're supposed to move. And um, I, he said, we have to get it back into alignment. And I think, I, as I was praying this morning, when God dropped this, this kind of this funny story in my heart, I, I think this is what we struggle with with faith. Something happens and something gets knocked out of place or broken. And then all of a sudden, we, like, we want to run from pain. So we don't want things set back into place and we don't want things set back into alignment because of the pain. And so then what we do is we walk around going, well, I don't, I don't, I don't have strong faith anymore. I don't, I, don't have, I don't have the things that I need. I don't, I'm, I don't believe, right? I don't believe the way that I used to believe, or I don't trust God the way that I used to trust God. And it actually has nothing to do with the fact that you think you don't have faith, and you think your faith is weak, but actually the only thing that God is wanting to do is realign some things so that you can move and walk the way that you, you need to walk again. And so that is what I want to talk to you this morning about. Is that Okay. And so what I want to do is I'm going to, I'm going to read real quick. Here's a story in Mark chapter 5. And I want to read this, and then we're going to pray, and I'm going to jump into, I'm going to jump into the message. 
But I want to challenge you this morning to think about where your alignment is. Maybe there's something not right. Maybe there's something set, set off just a little bit this, that needs to be put back into place. Don't run from pain. Don't run from discomfort. And let me encourage you, you have more faith than what you think you have. Your faith is not dead. Your faith is alive. And I believe that God wants to wake up some faith that's on the inside of you because you have a purpose and you have a plan and you have a destiny for your life. But listen, sometimes God's got to readjust some things. Cool. Can we, can we do that? So let's read, your, let's read Mark chapter 5. And we're going to read 35 and, uh, 35 and 36. And then we're going to jump down to 39. I'm going to pray and it's going to be good. All right. You with me? Say yeah. All right. Here we go. So make sure you're still, you're still with me. All right. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. His name was Jairus just in case you wanted to know who the ruler of the synagogue was, came from the uh, ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid. What? Only believe. Only believe. Now, now jump down to 39. When he came in, when he came in, Jesus said to them, he said to them, Jesus said to them, why make this commotion and weep? Why are you crying? Quit crying. The child's not dead, but sleeping. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you. We thank you that you're here with us. We thank you that, uh, and we, Lord, I thank you right now that even right now, you're, you're causing faith to stir. Lord, that you're awakening dreams uh, that people thought were dead, but they're not dead. They're just asleep. And we thank you, Lord, that faith is going to be reignited in lives this morning, and you're going to change hearts forever. We thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, that just means that, just means that you agree with what I'm saying, um, which is important. You should agree with what the Bible says. It's true. I grew up, I grew up in church, uh, I, and I grew up in a, uh, it's called, it was called Pentecostal, charismatic, like that kind of thing. And, um, and I learned two things in church. One, I learned who Jesus was, which was great. And then I also learned self-defense. <laughs> two things I learned. <laughs> I learned who Jesus was, and I learned self-defense. Um, mainly because um, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, but I called it a Pentecostal church. Because you've never been in an environment that you've never been in an environment that's more hostile than teenage boys in a charismatic church. Whenever a beautiful young woman, a new beautiful young woman, walks in the back door, <laughs> right? Like I, I can remember my wife. Me and my wife have been uh, we've been together for 23 years. And come on, come on, Jesus, miracles to do happen. We've been together for uh, 23 years, and we have been married for nearly 20. So um, this is what I'm talking about. Whenever you see a beautiful girl walk into a church, like you see it, and then you stab all your friends in the back, every single one of them, right? You stab them all in the back, and then you lock that business down. <laughs> like You're just like, hey, she's, she's going to be my cutie booty, and that's the way it's going to be. Everybody else can just, everybody else can go away. And um, so I did something that, I did something that, we didn't have Facebook and Instagram. I, it was like old school creeping, right? Um, we had this thing called a church directory. I don't know if you guys know. Yeah. 
Yeah, buddy. So it, we were like, I don't understand why people did this. But like, you know, Facebook, you're, you're scrolling, you're doing what you got to do. But uh, old, like the old directories, like they would file us into a back room in the church like cattle. And they would make us take awkward family photos. And so what they did was they put that picture inside of the church directory. And then they put your phone number at the bottom, which is bananas to me. Because you can just go on there and you just call somebody up, right? So I don't know if we have the picture. Do we have, do we, oh my gosh. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, how did she marry him? How did she get so lucky? And I don't know. I tell her every day. I'm like, look what you married, honey. I have that picture by our bed. And I'm like, look at those blonde tips. I'm actually just joking. Uh, friends don't let friends get blonde tips. Don't ever do, don't ever allow that to happen. Uh, that is, that is after, that is after me and my wife got married. And um, yes, that means I did, I did propose to her at the age of 16 years old. That is a, that is a true story. Proposed at the age of 16. And um, so, uh, like I said, I, I, I kind of, I cut some, cut, cut some of my friends off in getting to her. I had a lot of friends go, hey, can you go talk to her for me? And I'm like, yeah, I will. <laughs> I'll make that happen for you, buddy. I'm your friend, <laughs> you know. And so I married her. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we don't, we're not friends anymore, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Um, and what was the difference, though? What was the difference? Look at James, look at James 4, 8 real quick. I, I promise I'm going to get back to Scripture. I'm not just going to be up here telling stories. Um, James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, what the difference between what I experienced and what my friends experienced was I had the courage to do something they weren't willing to do. I, I drew near to my wife, or my girl at the time, <laughs> I drew near to her and what she drew near to me. And now we got two kids. It's, it's beautiful. We got married. Nope. Okay. Perfect. But I had, I had, I had the faith, right? I had the courage to draw near and then she drew near to me. And this is what God, this is what God, this is a great, we, we talk about this scripture all the time here at the movement church and it's a great scripture. Listen, I lean on this scripture a lot, but I think, I think oftentimes we don't want to, we, we don't read the whole scripture. Like we get like to pick and choose promises in, in the Bible and, and we read, uh, we read, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And then we be like, yeah, amen. That's awesome. But we forget the last, the, the second part, which is cleanse your hands, you sinners and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And I, I think what, I think what we got to realize is that anytime that we're going to get a promise from God, there's a process that's involved. There has to be something that you do on the other side of it. Understand, like, we can't, we can't just expect God to drop things in our lap. I mean, the promises are great, but you can't have a promise without a process. So a simpler way to put it is if you will, then God will. Does that make sense? If you will, then God will. Look at what Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8 say. It says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who uh, asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. See, there's a specific way that Scripture tells us to go about getting the promises of God. There's there's a specific way, and I think what happens is we kind of we kind of we kind of mess it up a little bit, right? We get it kind of twisted. Like so, we'll 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 ask or and. We'll hope to receive, and we'll seek, and we'll look, and so we seek, and, and what I mean by seek, let me explain. It's like you're praying for an opportunity to open up, right? 
You're like, God, just give me that opportunity. I, I, I really, I just, I, I want a different job. Like this job is not for me. Like I, I feel like I need, I need a new job. And so Lord, show me, give me the opportunity. Or maybe you're trying to figure out how to, how to, how to share your, your faith with the people that are around you that are in the, the uh, circumference of your influence. And you're sitting there and you're like, God, just give me an opportunity. And see what happens is God shows us the door, but we don't want to go knock on the door. We want God to open the door for us and push us through the door. And then we get frustrated at God because, well, God doesn't do anything for me. And it's like, actually, God, we say stuff like, well, I just wish God would move in my life. He never stopped moving in your life. God never stopped moving. God is waiting on you to move. Do you hear me? And what that looks like is sometimes it just, it looks like little steps, little things. You knock on the door. Maybe the door doesn't, maybe the door doesn't open. Okay, look for another door. Knock on that door. But there's a process to getting the promise. Does that make sense? And so we, what, what I need you to know is that whenever you align yourself with the process God has, that's when your faith is activated. That's when our faith, that faith that, that we feel like is dead or doesn't, or, or, or I hear it all the time. I've been in, I've been ministry, I've been in full-time ministry since I was 18. Me and my wife both have. And I hear a lot from people, I just, I don't have any faith anymore. No, you do. The Bible says that you have a measure of faith. God's given a measure of faith to everyone. The issue is that we knock and we, we, we want these things that God has for us, but we don't want the process that comes along with it. And just like I talked about it at the beginning of, of, of what I started talking to you guys about faith, it's, it's sometimes that process is painful, right? Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes we don't like it. But we have to get our alignment in place with what God is saying. So again, where is your alignment? Where is your alignment? The, the truth is, is that, that when I say that to you, there's probably something that you're like, you know what, I could probably readjust this in my life. I could probably readjust this in my life because the truth is, is that when our faith has power is whenever we decide to align our perspective with what God's word says. That's what it is. See, you have to understand the, the Bible is not a book of, of rules. We've made it a book of rules, but it's not this book of rules that you have to be perfect in order to get what God has for you. It's not that. You don't have to be perfect. I'm going to take the weight. Let me, let me take the pressure off of you right now. You don't have to be perfect. God's not asking you to be perfect. What God's asking you to do is trust him with what you have. Right? Be faithful with what you have. And um, whenever we align our faith, we can make the decisions that are necessary. So the Bible, look, God's in charge of your destiny. Like I said before, everybody here has a, and this is not a motivational speech. Everybody here has a purpose and a calling and a destiny for your life. Do you believe it? So if you have that, the Bible is, God's in charge of your destiny. The Bible is not a book full of, of rules and, and, and that sort of stuff. The Bible is full of, the Bible is a book of decisions. Does it make sense? And let me, let me explain. So if you're, if you're struggling, you might be in this room right now and you're struggling with some financial stuff that's going on in your life. I've been there. I know what you're talking about. And you're just like, man, I need my finances to get right. Well, the Bible gives us insight to know that we have to be good stewards of the thing that God's blessed us with. So that means 
if you don't have the money, don't buy the new sneakers. Mind blowing. I just want to say it. Like the word of God, the, and I'm not trying to be condescending, but, but it's the truth. The Bible says that, it's like, maybe you're struggling with, like, I just don't have relationships. I don't have real relationships in my life. I don't have friends. Well, Proverbs 18 says, if you want friends, be friendly. I'm blowing your mind right now. I know. It's deep. It's deep. But this is what I'm trying to communicate to you, that we make faith this complicated thing. And it's not a complicated thing. The Bible is a cheat sheet to get you in place for the tests that come in your life. When you hear me, everything you need is in God's word. So the, the fight, though, the fight starts in our mind. So the way that we strengthen our faith, and it's going to be, I know, again, it's going to be mind-blowing, but it's actually very practical. And I'm going to give you a couple of practical thoughts. Is that okay? How do I strengthen my faith? Well, number one, you should write these down. You should take notes. The first practical is you got to think good thoughts and keep moving. I know. <laughs> it is good. It's the hardest thing to do, though, isn't it? Thinking good thoughts is the hardest thing to do. So what do you do when you don't feel like moving? And what does, what does keep moving even mean? Well, look at Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 through 16. And I'm going to read this quickly because I am quickly running out of time. Verse 13, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For the Ephesians who you see today, you shall see no more again forever. The Lord will fight for you and shall hold your peace. Come on, that's, that's like, that's good, right? All day long, the Lord's gonna fight for you, right? He's gonna fight for you. And look what the Lord says to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? <laughs> why are you crying? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. So what I think we've done is we've confused be still with sit still. We've confused be still with sit still. Be still means to relax and trust God. But that does not mean stop moving. It means keep moving even when you don't have all the answers and you don't know everything to do. Because God is going to fight for you as long as you keep moving forward and being faithful with what he's put in your hand. Does that make sense? you got to keep moving forward and thinking good thoughts. And, 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 and uh, not thinking stuff like, well, I'm just, I hear people say, I'm waiting on the Lord. Okay, well, while you're waiting, take what's in your hand and the gift and the talents that you have that you're not using because you don't know what to do and, and take that and begin to move forward with those things. Well, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm, I'm talented with. I don't, or uh, this is a better one. I, I find most people don't move forward because they, they've moved forward with the thing that they have in their hand and they failed and they've messed up. And so now they disqualify themselves because they think that what's in their hand is useless. And that's not the case. Listen, practice cultivates uh, your gifting. Practice cultivates your talents. If, if it didn't work the first time, keep working at it. 
keep moving forward. If you are a singer, keep practicing. If you're a writer, keep writing. If you're a preacher, write sermons before you get up on a pulpit. My goodness, if you, if you love people, get connected to a connect group because we need people in our lives. Huh? Come on, you got to practice what's in your, you got to practice using what's in your hand because practice culti- cultivates the gifts that we have. But listen, prayer cultivates the calling and the anointing that you have. Do you understand what I'm saying? Prayer is what cultivates the strong faith that we need that gives us the ability to use what's in our hand. So you have to think good thoughts. Well, how do I think good thoughts? Will you align what you're, what you're thinking with what God's word says? And that's the second thing that you have to do. You think good thoughts and you keep moving and then you think God thoughts. Well, I thought a good thought was a God thought. No, not necessarily. There are people in the Bible who thought they had a good thought all the time and it wasn't a God thought. Point in case, the first time a man and a woman ever agreed what dinner was going to look like easily, Adam and Eve, in the garden, Eve looks over at Adam and goes, you know what we should have for dinner? Apples. We should do it from that tree over there too. You know the one God told us not to eat from? It's a good idea, huh? We could be just like him. And Adam was like, I don't want to fight. I'm tired of Chipotle. Yeah, let's go eat some apples. <laughs> and then they go and they eat the apple because they want to be like God. Is what scripture says. Their intention was to be like God. The problem is, is that their good thought didn't line up with God's thought. And anytime your good thought does not line up with God's thought, it's disobedience. You can have good intentions all day long. Good intentions don't change anything. If good intentions don't line up with what God has said, it doesn't matter. It's disobedience. Well, how do I know if my good thought is a God thought? Another, it's going to be mind-blowing. Go to what God's Word says. We're, we're like, we've become this culture that's just waiting for God to give us a word. Right? Like what I mean by that is that you're waiting for the pastor to get up and you're waiting for it to feel like oh, he's just speaking to me in the room. Like I'm the only one in the room and everything he's saying is hitting me. That's when I know it's a, it's a word for me. That's not true. Everything that God says is applicable for your life. God gave his word to you. Everything you need is in God's word. Come on, and that's how we ignite the faith that's on the inside of us. That's how we know how to use the gifts. When we don't feel like moving forward, that's how we know we can keep moving forward because we've realigned. Listen again, we've realigned what God says about us with what we're thinking and our identity. That's what, listen, you have faith. Do you hear me? You have faith. Your faith's not dead. Your dream's not dead. Your purpose isn't dead. It's not. And I know this because of the, the, the story we read in Mark chapter 5. For, uh, just a quick synopsis. When Jairus is, Jairus is, a, is he's a leader of the synagogue, so he's probably living a pretty good life. Right? I mean, we can imagine. We don't know, but he probably is. And he's walking. He hears about Jesus. His daughter's sick. I mean, his, I got kids, and my daughter holds my heart. I'll murder somebody for my daughter. Maybe not, because that's a sin. But you know what I'm saying. Like, I mean, if he came down to it. I feel like God would forgive me. 
But he, it's like his world, right? It's his dream. It's his, it's his world. And he's walking to Jesus because Jesus can heal. He knows Jesus can heal. He can heal my dream. He can heal my daughter. I know it. So he walks up. He finds Jesus. He's like, hey, Jesus, listen, my daughter, she's sick, but I heard about you. So I know you can, I know you can heal her. I got faith. Will you, will you walk with me? Jesus goes, yeah, I like this. Okay, let's roll. So they start going. Jairus, you got to imagine, he's probably got his like strut going, right? He's like, ah, Jesus is with me. Like my daughter's about to get healed. He's excited. You ever felt that way? Like you're on the mountaintop, right? Like everything's going good in life. You got the faith. You're working. You're rolling. Everything's good. And then all of a sudden, uh, it gets a little quieter because the Bible says that there's a crowd of people around Jairus and Jesus. And so everybody was following Jesus to Jairus' house because they want to see the miracle. Jairus is like, come on, let's go. Lean with it. <laughs> He's going. And he looks, and all of a sudden it gets a little quieter, and he looks back, and there's not many people anymore. It's just him and his boys. And he's like, wait a second, where'd Jesus go? And, and what I didn't read was there's a, there's a portion of Scripture where a woman with the is, uh, issue of blood for 12 years, we don't even know her name. She has been sick and afflicted with this sickness for 12 years, which in culture means that she was isolated, she was cast out. The, all the doctors, it says that she gave everything that she had to doctors so that she could get better. And every doctor looked at her and goes, sorry, we don't know how to fix you. But she heard about Jesus. She risked everything to walk out and push through the crowd. And she goes, if I could just touch him, I know I'm going to get healed. She touched him, and the Bible says that he looked at her and goes, daughter, you're well, first Jesus looked around and goes, who touched me? That's what made him stop. So who, who touched me? And he's Caesar, and he goes, you're healed. Your faith has made you whole. That's great, but Jairus is on the way to the same miracle, and now he's over here going, how come she's getting what Jesus was on his way to give my daughter? I guess my faith isn't as strong as it used to be. Come on, you ever felt that way? Things, things start happening. Like it goes from good to real bad real quick. And you're like, I'm praying, and it just doesn't feel like God's doing anything. I'm doing everything I know to do. And I look back, and, and, and why is Jesus back there, and I'm up here by myself? Right? See, what I think is that Jesus didn't want the delay that Jairus, Jairus could have labeled it a delay, right? It's like, all right, well, here's the process. This is the process part we were talking about. Jesus didn't want it to look like a delay. He wanted it to be a demonstration to Jairus. He wanted it to be a demonstration. And you have a choice. See, I feel like some people in this room right now, you, maybe you're in the middle of your process right now. You've prayed and you're praying and you're believing and you're believing. You're believing for financial breakthrough. You're believing for health in your, your body. You're, you're believing for your kids to quit acting like demons. You're believing for some kind of turnaround. And you have a choice to make. This is the process. Am I going to see this as a delay? Or am I going to see this as God demonstrating something? that I just got to wait a little bit longer. I just got to keep moving forward. 
I just got to keep doing what I'm doing. I got to keep using what's in my hand. I got to keep having faith. And so Jesus, Jesus, well, Jesus is doing what he's doing, right? And Jairus is over here, and, and all of a sudden his boys walk up and go, hey, don't bother, don't bother Jesus anymore. Dude, your daughter's dead. Your daughter is dead. And I can relate. Listen, I can, I can relate. The last, the last few months of my life have been, have been a little crazy. For those who don't know, I'm going to try to make it quick. But for those who don't know, I've had back surgery to remove tumors from my back. One of, one of them came back cancerous. I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't have any, any issues, but it jacked me up for a while. Before that, I had a heat stroke, and it gave me a, a, a stuttering issue. It affected the, the left side of my brain, which is the cognitive side, the way you think and the way you, you work, and it messed, it messed this stuff up over here. So I walked around with a stutter for a long time. I didn't talk to a lot of people because, like, when, whenever I had the speech impediment, it's almost like I could, I could start a conversation. Someone would be like, how are you? <laughs> I'm trying to be full of faith, and I'm like, great. But I'd be like, great. And you could see, like, in the middle of the conversation, you could see someone going like this, and then all of a sudden they, like, realize how long they're going to be there in this conversation. And they're like, listen, I have a brand new respect for anybody who has been struggling through things like that. You guys are champions. I tried to order, I tried to order food from a drive-thru one time. It was a nightmare. Like, I was sitting there trying to tell someone the, the order I wanted and how I wanted my burger to be. And I was trying to get my order out, and the guy kept interrupting me. And I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to tell you, tell you what I want on my burger. And so then I finally get through giving the order, and then he didn't answer me. And I'm like, hello? He goes, I didn't know if you were done. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. I'm finished. Anyway, all joking aside, like, the thing that messed with me the most is the enemy came in and started lying to me because everything I do, the calling of God on my life is based around communicating. I, I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm called to lead worship. Everything I do is based around my gift, right? And the enemy started coming in going, hey, your dream's dead. It's gone. But see, my dream wasn't dead. God did something in my life to where now I can stand in front of you and I can use the word, I can hopefully speak in an articulate way. <laughs> and I can look back and go, God did that. My dream wasn't dead, it was just asleep. I had a choice to believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, or he's not the same and he's a liar. But the Bible says that God is not a liar. Man's a liar. The, the, the things that I thought were real weren't real. And the enemy can't lie to me if I know what God's word says. And if I align my words with what God's perspective is, then I know that I can trust and have faith that everything in the world might be coming against me, but my God is bigger than every mountain. My God is bigger than everything that might stand against me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Come on. If you believe that this morning, I'm here to tell you that your dream is not dead. It's asleep. And we just have to realign our perspective to what God says. Maybe you're sitting here going, you know, Jeremy, this is, this 
has been really, it's really encouraging and it's, it's cool, but I actually don't even, I don't have no idea what, what faith is. I don't even know what a relationship with Jesus looks like. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to, it's okay to belong before you, before you believe here at the Movement Church. But every week, we always want to give the opportunity for people who have never taken that first step of faith and give them the opportunity to take that first step. And so what I'm inviting you to do and what I'm encouraging you to do is take that first step. If you say, maybe you're in one of two places, you say, you say I, I've, never, I've never had a personal relationship with Jesus and I want to do that this morning. Or maybe Maybe you're a Christ follower, maybe you're a Christian, and you say, you know what, I, my alignment's been a little off, and I've, I've kind of walked away a little bit, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommit, I'm going to recommit my faith to Jesus this morning. I'm putting it in God, that He's the source of my faith. If that's you, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you just lift your hands. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you come on stage. We're just going to say a quick prayer of faith. And then you just attach your faith to the words that I pray and make this prayer your own. So I'm going to count to three. And if you're in one of those two places, you want to, you want to, you want to step into a relationship with God for the first time, or you say, you know what, I'm, re, I'm recommitting my faith. I'm realigning my faith to what God says. I'm readjusting my focus. Then I just want you to lift your hand and then we'll pray. Ready? One, two, three. I see that. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Wow. Thank you so much. You know what? Let's pray. Let's pray this together. Father, we love you. We thank you. Father, I pray right now that you would, I believe your word, just make this prayer your prayer. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And right now I choose to live my life the way that the Bible says to live my life. And I want to receive Jesus as the Lord of my life. I thank you and I believe and I receive it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.